This is the Shift Podcast. Rob Fay in for Shane Hewitt. Hey, has the crypto and NFT window closed? Chris Perry, CEO of Equity Guru, tells us how this all works, if the crypto market could rebound, and the biggest misconceptions about crypto. As well, learn how Andy Barrier earns the name Disco Andy while partying in Vegas with some pretty surprising guests. Plus, how you can stay cool this summer with or without air conditioning. And are you okay with mullets? This is the Shift Podcast. Gentlemen, are you okay with mullets? Oh, yeah. Big time, yeah. I got a mini one now, and it is freedom. It is true freedom is a mullet. It's fun. It's uh, it's it's all the rage right now. Everybody's got mullets, and I totally get it. I get why people love this style in the 80s, and I totally believe that this style will die once again and i will look back when i'm in my 40s or 50s and laugh at me having a mullet but i don't know every time i look at myself in the mirror with a little mini mullet makes me want to grow it out i like have the full locks because it's awesome yeah like trends are cyclical but it's all the rage everyone has a mullet right now i'm not seeing a lot of mullets it's crazy yeah dude well especially my age because it's everybody's wearing them. Everything from you know the Must be an Alberta kind of thing. the. Well, so let me give you an example. Totally, so it's become kind of it's it's across so many spectrums. You have the sports mullets, the the pit viper, you know, long curly like guy you see at a football game. A lot of queer people have uh, mullets as well. A lot. It's become a queer icon haircut. I went like when I went to the gay bar, I'd say every other person had a mullet of some kind. And then just it's kind of bleeding into every little bit of culture. You look, it's probably one of the, my hairdresser told me uh, the first day I got my mullet, I was like, is, am I the first young person to ask for one? And she goes, no, you're my fourth one today. So I was there at one o'clock. Okay, for for those who don't know, and there's probably just a handful of you at this point that don't know, it's, it's short hair on the top and you let it roll on the back. So they, some will say that it's business on the top, party in the back. Yes, and sir. I'm not going to lie, it's a guy that has gone to barber school within the last year, year and a half. Yes, right. mullets are making a comeback, but it's more just a side mullet. It's not, a, it's not as yeah, rednecky like as it used to be. It's almost trendy again. It is trendy. It's not, yeah, it's not the traditional crazy huge mullet that you would look at pictures of a long time ago it's you're right it's very subdued but it is party in the party in the back business in the front 100 percent. okay so the party in the back business in the front look is making a big comeback we've we've all agreed to this the party vibe but there's one place on earth where the mullet never really went out of style that's australia they love the mullet down under in fact they have a contest to find the best mullet in the entire country, and they do it every single year, and call it Mullet Fest, which is an annual event held in Kerry Kerry. It's the first East at, well, it was first established back in 2018, but it's been going strong, and it's actually getting stronger now into its fifth year. Here is news coverage of that event from KTVQ News. Over 150 contestants' mullets were categorized into five groups. Those were everyday, grubby, red hair, women's, and juniors. The winner of the Greatest Mullet of All Award went to a man who began growing his mullet 
cut in 1986. These short on top and sides, long at the back mullet hairstyle was glamorized in the 1970s and 80s. And Ed, since this took place in Australia, I'm going to channel Crocodile Dundee and say, that's not a mullet, that's a mullet. <laughs> I hope she never says that again. Yeah, it's bad. Now, come on, where's the ding when you need it? Yeah. yeah, I'm glad. I bet she's glad that happened in 2018. <laughs> and, like she thought it'll never be heard again. Wow. Sorry, yeah. no, just heard that again. You know, I will say this: they hold competitions in multiple categories, including Ranga, Grubby, Extreme, International, and Every Day to explore highlighted champion the different shapes, sizes, and colors of a mullet, according. To the LED Bible, young Australians can also get involved with categories for ages from zero all the way up to 18 years of age. This year's winner of the Everyday Mullet, Liam Arnold, appeared on Sunrise. Oh, extreme. I think one of the best ones I ever saw was a bloke who had a few very thick dreadlocks going into a mullet and he had a, a spoon attached in his, uh, in the in his dreadlock. <laughs> Did he know? We used to ask him what it was going on for, and he used to go, "Oh yeah, mate, we are. Uh, that's for me stirring me coffee. Everyone had pinched me a uh, spoon at work, so." <laughs> <laughs> oh, that is so gross. Oh, that's disgusting. Oh. Entries can... closed, by the way, on July the thirty first, with applicants going into one of the previously mentioned categories. The winners will be announced at their Dubo event on August the twentieth, and I am sure we will have a follow up story for oh, you at that absolutely. time. Absolutely, I'm going to upload. I'll make sure I grab a picture of every category winner, and, and so you can all see it on the Shift Facebook page. Did you see a um, Did you see a mullet or two at that heavy metal concert? Yes, actually, one of the greatest mullets I've ever seen in my life. The lead singer of Dead Wolf. I will post a picture of that right now on the Facebook page. He looked like he woke up in 1985. It was magical, but like it was in, under control, but it had the curls. You know, it had some party. It had some flair, mm. but it was also professional and <laughs> majestic i couldn't stop staring at it and he had a mustache on top of it like crowbar handlebar yeah uh crowbar no just like a tom Selleck kind of like it's just, just like a ned flanders mustache Ooh, ned flanders and <laughs> i bet you haven't heard that twice together ned flanders and magnum pi anyways okay on to the next one gentlemen are you okay with going on cruises never been it's definitely not my first or honestly ever choice for a vacation honestly yeah i've never been my mom loves the cruises she's like she lives in central florida and she's you know in her mid-60s now retired and every time she talks to me it seems like she's like oh just found a deal on a cruise heading to Tampa next week i'm just like oh, okay well i you have fun I think I would have until I saw the absolute horror stories when the world got locked down and people yeah, were yeah. caught with COVID and they were on cruise ships for like a month and a half. That gave me the enough to step away from it. Uh, it's a little bit of heebie-jeebies with it. It's, a, it's a lot, just, bit. I don't, I don't, I know that it's a place to relax, but I'd rather just like find one place. Like, just, I don't, I don't see the appeal of being out there for so long. The only ones I would do would be the, the river 
cruises in like Scandinavia, the the ones that go on the giant rivers that kind of go throughout all the cities. That would be cool. I would do that one. Yeah. Cruise, cruise ships this day and age are humongous, though. Like, yeah, they're, they're small cities on the water. Yeah. yeah. You yeah. ever see them go out here and the, 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 some of them barely fit under the Lions I, Gate I know. Bridge? I, I'm like, thinking it's one like of these scraping days. the bridge, and I'm just like, wow. I don't <laughs> totally think they can get is, much totally is. You know, one downside of cruises is, is that you are stuck on a boat with the same people every day, and you do so for a long stretch of time. That may be the reason this happened just off the coast of New York. We're following breaking news for you right now. Authorities are investigating a brawl on a cruise ship that docked in the port of Manhattan. Now, according to Carnival Cruise Line, a number of guests were involved in a fight in a nightclub on its Carnival Magic ship. No one was seriously injured. The cruise line's onboard security team intervened. The ship arrived as scheduled this morning, was met by authorities who are interviewing those suspects and witnesses as we speak. U.S. Coast Guard was alerted to the brawl at about four in the morning, which is always when you find a good old scrap, and then deployed a vessel to escort the cruise ship through the New York Harbor. After that, a boarding team from the USCG, I guess that's Coast Guard Sector New York, assisted NYPD and Custom and Border Protection with crews processing the Coast Guard told People magazine. PIX11, a very popular station, a local outlet, reported that the fight began with two people, but then it quickly grew in size as more people joined in, so said the police. I hope my mom wasn't in it. Is that 11-second clip just carnage, like, in the background? It's actually three minutes long, and I picked 11 (laughs) seconds. Good for you. It it is difficult to describe. Like, it it looks like a a brawl that would happen inside of a, like, a Waffle House or a Denny's in the middle of nowhere. It it does, which is why it's so weird, because it's on a cruise ship. I'm just hoping that the four people that were playing, like, the violins in Titanic were there amidst the chaos. <laughs> it was on the band stage where it happened. Like, you can see the band. You can see all the people who work on the cruise. It's amazing. Kind of giving up on trying to contain it because it was such a big fight. I actually think that that scene from Titanic plays in any movie. You could put that scene in almost anything. Indiana Jones running away from the big ball as he's making his way through. And the four violinists are there. Star Wars, Luke, I'm your father. And the, I don't know, I'm just thinking it could go anywhere. Anyways, Fox News, we're not done with this story. Just when you no. thought you were ready to, no, 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 no. Don't change the channel just yet. We have more. Fox News got to speak to a passenger who was able to, sh- to shed some more light on the cause of the fight. Teresa James, a travel agent, said the fight started just before 2 a.m. So this was going for a long time before the 4 a.m. crew showed <laughs> yeah. up on the, on the fifth floor of the cruise ship. We're getting a load of this. The onboard dance club and casino could be found. Well, you know, that's where everything goes, you know, ham is at the casino. James said the alleged threesome is what spark- oh, James said. Let me rephrase this. Said the alleged group is what sparked the dispute with passengers becoming riled up after learning that their significant others had engaged in some uh, extracurriculars, if you know what I'm talking about. Oh, Oh, well. (laughs) I mean, you're isolated on the ship. You know what I learned in this story? Proofread before you read. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. No, it's fine. I've never been good at French. Okay, gentlemen, this one is near and dear to my heart. we got a handful of minutes to do this, but I want your honest opinion. 
Are you guys okay with Burger King? Yes, sir. I love the BK. All right. Now, not oh, everything. <laughs> not everything at Burger King, but the Whopper with cheese is an almighty burger. That is just a nice, like the frame flame broiled on the patty is great. The cheese is good. The bun is a great size. The fries are okay. They're not amazing. Agreed. Um, but the the burgers themselves get, I think, too much, too much flack. The problem with the Whopper is it tastes fantastic, but it's flimsy. It's it almost too wide and not enough, uh, not enough north south, just too much east west. It's huge, but the taste is second to none. It's awesome. What about you, Brendan? Yeah, it's all right. I'm not really a fast food guy anymore. What? Burger King was like. It was like your fourth choice. Like when you pulled off to the, to the little like uh, key, uh, on the side of the highway where there was like all the fast food, the, the stops. Who were the three ahead of Burger King? Oh, I don't know. You, you would do like McDonald's for sure. And Wendy's. Wendy's even, yeah. And then if you're in Canada, Harvey's, maybe even Arby's, Ooh, maybe Taco Bell. Do you Actually, guys remember Fuddruckers? Like ninth. Do you guys ever go to Fuddruckers? Does that resonate with you guys at all? No. No, it sounds like a dive country bar where you'd see a lot of mullets. Yeah, come on down to Fuddruckers. Nah, you know what, man? I was growing up in Ontario, and they were all about the wedge fries. The burger, it was kind of make your own burger, but the wedge fries, you would dip them in the cheese, and it was game over, man. I think the fry makes the burger better. Yeah, there you go. Uh, I agree. Uh, I know I can tell you're totally convinced. Here, we have found plenty of examples of perfectly preserved McDonald burgers and fries that have been kept safe for decades. But someone in Delaware just found a perfectly preserved Burger King that was hidden inside of a mall since the 90s. The so-called relic is located on the first floor of the Concord Mall in Wilmington and is only accessible via a key from a staffer. So not visible to those passing by. But when the mall vendor saw it back in April, he snapped the picture and posted it. That photo was reposted on Twitter this week, leading other mall employees, shoppers and tens of thousands of Twitter users to reminisce about their childhoods spent at BK is um, a surprise to me that it has taken off as quickly as it did. It is kind of cool having something that is that nostalgic um, here in the in the building, of course. Uh, you know, we're we're hopeful, you know, to obviously rent it uh, and, and have it occupied soon. That from WPVI, this is found money for that mall, obviously. Uh, yeah. Everything is there. The old French fryer, 90s paintings, tables, merch, and so much wood paneling. The GM says it's not clear how long the space has actually been sitting vacant as they took over in January 2020. But now they're hoping, as you heard, to get another tenant. And yes, preferably an eatery since the space is laid out for one. My question to you is you open this up. You see the French fryer, the 90s painting, the merch, the tables, everything. What's the one thing you're taking from that venue with you? A little piece of nostalgia. I think an old, uh, you know what I actually really love is the 90s and 2000s menus that you would see over top of the counter Ah, in fast food restaurants because they had like dark backgrounds and then the burgers and the food would be really brightly lit and it looked really weird and then nobody does that anymore. I would take the Burger King one. I bet it would look tasty. That'd I would take cool. the mascot, uh, the mascot outfit. 
Oh, yeah. Oh, God. The nightmare fuel. <laughs> March my way across to some of the bigger events. Santa Claus Parade, what have you. Be the creepy Burger King. I guess. I, I always wondered what Grimace was, by the way. This is the Shift Podcast. And I am Rob Fay filling in for Shane Hewitt. You know, one thing that I think about, probably more than I should, is am I missing the boat? Remember back in the days when you could have bought Apple stock or you could have bought stock in something that would have made you a multimillionaire and you realized that if I had just known something sooner, I could have been fine. I'm joined by the founder, the czar of Equity Guru, Chris Perry out of Vancouver. Chris, good evening. Am I missing out on something here? You know, it's possible to make money on every little buzz. You could have made money on Beanie Babies at the right time, baseball cards at the right time, but it these things also tend to go in real cycles. And I don't think you've really missed much on uh, the NFTs and crypto side of things, quite frankly. So I'm going to start at the beginning. And I know that there's certain listeners out there that are like, oh my God, here's another 101 on what cryptos and blockchain are. But let's talk about this from a, you know, a new entry point. What is a blockchain and why should I care about it? All right. So when you have a transaction with your bank, you, you've got one bank database that has you know, how much money you have and, and uh, approves the transaction or otherwise. If you're a hacker, that means you've got one point of entry to aim at, right? If you manage to hack into that account, then uh, you've got access to everything. The blockchain is a distributed account, right? So there's little bits of it all over the internet. Every transaction that is undertaken on multiple places. So if you were a hacker, you'd need to hack thousands of computers at once to make any change to that. So it, it's an advance in trust. The problem is it's easy to check one database on your bank when you do an ATM transaction. It's really not that easy to check a thousand databases and have to do that with every transaction all over the world. So what happens with crypto is it, it, it has positives in one area, but the negative is it's slow, it's cumbersome, it takes a lot of power to run it. In order to just to, to deal with Bitcoin transactions, you need the same amount of electricity as is used by Argentina every year. So to say it's uh, not quite technologically as effective as it should be is an understatement. So I look ahead to the next five years because the world's basically on its ear right now. Would it be fair to say we're at a make or break point when it comes to this technology? Or is this just going to be a slow burn that eventually is going to catch on? I think there's use for it, but I don't think the use for it is to buy things that hopefully are created in value because other people want to buy those things more than you. Like really, it's there's there's use cases for this technology, but all that crypto really is right now is uh, a stored means of value, right? It's, it's, as long as more people want to buy it than sell it, then it goes up in value. The moment that that switches around, it goes down in value. Everyone wants to get out of it. And we're at that point right now where everyone basically is saying, okay, well, let's get on to the next thing. We need money to fill our gas tanks right now. We don't really need money to be in some sort of absurd crypto coin that no one really has a use for. I wonder if it's a generational thing because it has been, I guess, I mean, it's been out for years, Chris, but I just have not been able to wrap my head around it. What am I, what is the thing that is the general misconception of this world that we're moving into with cryptocurrency that this older generation, I'm almost 50, just can't seem to wrap their head around? I think it's use case, right? Like in the, early on, the talk was this is going to replace currency. It's going to replace the banking system. It's going to be great. We're all going to be free of, of our corporate overlords. 
but it, it doesn't really work that way. And so what it's sort of morphed into is I'm buying it because it goes up and, and that's pretty much it. And if that's all it is, then man, you can go to the home shopping channel and buy a, a, a teddy bear with a certificate of authenticity that may also go up in value, but it probably won't over the long term. The long term, you just be left with a thing that was hot once. And that's pretty much where we're at with crypto right now. As the, the internet evolves, there will be places for NFTs that will be actually functional, but it, just not near the buzz that's been thrown around by crypto bros. And I think uh, the other thing is the guys who are really into crypto, they're kind of gross. Like they're, they're just kind of like, you know, have fun being poor guys. You know, they're those kinds of people. And I don't think many of us really want to join that crew. It's a really good way to describe it. I want to switch gears, Chris, and talk a little bit about your company, Equity Guru, because in the sea of people that are essentially just sitting there pumping each other's tires, you've kind of taken a bit of a different angle. Can you describe Equity Guru for us? Yeah, so we write about companies that are on the stock market, generally uh, what's called small cap companies that have a lower value than your BMOs and TDs and such. Um, the best described as startups that, that have potential to be something big, but also a higher risk. Uh, and the way that we've approached it is rather than just writing about every company that, that comes out and saying, buy, 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 we come at it from a journalist point of view where we really want companies to demonstrate that they've got more than just a plan. Uh, a, a lot of small cap companies end up not being large cap. Um, and so we're really looking for the ones that have good executive teams that have runs on the board, have enough money to, to withstand a, a corporate, a, an economic downturn and unique ideas that, that, you know, we ourselves would do business with if those companies kick on. Um, coming at it as a journalist instead of stock promoters is, is our difference. We want to make sure that uh, at the end of the day, both the company and the reader do well and, if all we're really worried about is uh, the CEOs of the companies, then the readers inevitably you know, lose their cash. And that's, that's a pretty short-term business model for mine. I want to be around for 25 years doing this stuff. I brought that question up, not necessarily more from an infomercial perspective, but so that people listening can understand the perspective that you're coming at. Because I think one of the challenges that even us in the media face, Chris, and I think you could agree with this, is you know, there are paid ways to find your way to the top of the totem pole. But reality is, is there's got to be a couple of people out there that are fact checkers, that are cross checkers to make sure that as this world evolves, that there are still voices that you can trust. Do you find that this is an industry where that's becoming harder and harder to find? I mean, anytime money is involved, corruption is going to be involved, right? If someone comes along and says to me, hey, I've got a great new company on the stock market and here's a bunch of cash, please uh, write nice things about it. There is plenty of people out there that will say, okay. Um, but I think that the, the reader very quickly realizes if they're being sold out and you know, you don't stick, you don't stay in business long when you're doing that. We've uh, had sponsors on our website that we've written negative things about because that's just the way it's supposed to be. You're supposed to be honest. And quite frankly, uh, in that situation, you know, either you, you're prepared to lose money and maintain your integrity or you're not. And I think if you maintain your integrity over the long haul, it evens out. You, you stay in business longer. More people trust you. You become worth more to your clients. And, and that's, that's really my attitude towards it. 
I just want to make, you know, if I say someone something's great and go buy it uh, and my reader loses money, I've lost the reader and, and that reader never comes back and word spreads. So you've just got to put honesty above everything. And it, it seems weird to say, but in the Canadian stock markets, honesty is a niche. Chris Perry, he is the founder of Equity Guru. Chris, before I let you go, just a couple of quick ones. Rumor and speculation always seem to be around cryptocurrency. For example, a lot of people think that it's Vladimir Putin that is running Bitcoin and that there's all these Saudis that are running different currencies and trying to find their way to make a buck off the Western world. I'm not going to ask you if there's any truth to that, but is that something that is hindering the general public maybe dipping their toe into this because they're not really sure who's operating and who is running these different, I guess you would say, blockchains? I think if you look back at baseball cards, remember baseball cards had a moment where buying them and everything was going up and then the baseball card companies printed too many and then everything came back down again. We've had the same thing happen with retro video games recently where suddenly they're all worth a ton and uh, the people grading them weren't necessarily trustworthy. Crypto, the vast majority of cryptocurrency is owned by a very small amount of people. Uh, likely in other places from us. And whenever they decide that it's time to cash out, it just doesn't matter what's happening in the world. Cryptocurrency will fall and, and fall hard. And I think that's what we've been seeing recently is the guys that own most of it are just cashed out, which leaves everyone else just kind of holding the bag. Which is a challenge and a reason why I think there's some people that are still reluctant. I don't want to turn my back on it, but I'm still trying to put my finger on it, if that makes any sense. Chris, is that the most common question? Before I ask you what I should be looking into as an investor, very quickly, is that the biggest misconception? The biggest problem with crypto is the thing that people crow about being the biggest plus, right? It's it's new technology that hasn't found a home yet. So until it has a real use, it has no use other than it just goes up and down in value. And it, it, if that's what you're looking for, real estate's a thing. Uh, the stock market is a thing. There's plenty of other places where you can put your money. But at the end of the day, you will actually have an asset, right? With crypto, the moment you turn off the electricity, there's no asset left. So I, I'm, I'm more likely to, to buy tin goods and firearms and stick them in the basement than to buy cryptocurrency, quite frankly. Chris, before I let you go, I know you're following a lot of stocks and I'm not looking for a tip per se, but what sector do you see right now that's taking it on the chin and what sector would you kind of circle it back on and say, I yeah, might want to take a look at this in a, in a couple of months time? You know what? I, I kind of go with uranium uh, and it seems weird coming from a rabid lefty like myself, but you know, if I think about green energy, the greenest energy right now is, is not things that rely on batteries or or wind or you know if it's not windy out wind sucks if it's not light out solar sucks uranium is a green energy and the the documentaries you see on netflix about meltdowns in the 70s and 80s it's not really a thing anymore i think that realistically once the stigma is is sort of removed a little bit uh nuclear energy is going to be a real thing in canada uh if there's any justice and there's a lot of uranium up here that just requires a little time and effort to get out of the ground uh, so it's 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 an, a sector that's taken a bit of a hit recently, along with pretty much everything else. But I think uranium explorers is uh, is where I've got my eye focused on right now. And where would you absolutely unequivocally avoid? Uh, look, I think oil and gas can ha- maybe have a little bit more life, but realistically, the, the gas companies are squeezing every last dollar they can out of us before they become uh, fairly useless. 
And so I avoid that. Uh, I think there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of interest in biotech, but in order to get into that sort of sector, you really need to do a bit of research and understand what you're getting into. Um, but mostly I, I just think that metals is going to be a thing that once the, the dust is settled a little bit on this economic downturn, there's going to be a real need going forward for energy metals, battery metals, uh, technology metals, and you know, Canada is, is rich in all of the above. So that's where I'd be looking at. Just don't get sucked into whatever's hot today. Don't chase. Uh, think about what you're going to be having a real interest in in the next five, 10 years. You can follow Chris online at equity.guru. Chris Perry, thank you for your time today. This is The Shift Podcast. Andy, I have to ask, it's not, I'm not one to steal nicknames from somebody else. How on earth did you get the nickname Disco Andy? (laughs) That's a really good question, Rob. So Shane Hewitt heard from someone else uh, who had seen me in Las Vegas during the uh, Consumer Electronics Show. It's the big tech show. And I go there every year. Mm -hmm. And uh, I don't, I don't get out a lot, Rob, but when I go to Vegas, (laughs) you know, and I'm going to all these media events and they're giving me these old fashions and, and I'm doing radio interviews, talking about the latest tech. I'm not sleeping for days. And I, I just kind of, you know, Las Vegas takes over me. And so I, I had this reputation where people would see me there and they thought I was always like that. But uh, I'm not. I'm actually just a kind of a DIY guy who sits at home and, and watches YouTube videos all day and, and fixes things. But once I go to Vegas, you know, it, it comes out. <laughs> Nothing's better, nothing's better than a guy that says, you know, when you go to Las Vegas, you know, <laughs> at least well, kind of an open sentence. The last time I went, this was just before the pandemic hit, Rob. Uh, this is a funny story. I'm sitting in a, it's the last day of Vegas. You know, I went all, I, I did the whole show. I was on my best behavior and a bunch of freelance journalists wanted to go to a dive bar off the strip. So we go there and, and I'm sitting there having a beer and my friend's like, that guy over there across the bar looks like O.J. Simpson. No. And, and sure enough, I go to the bathroom. My friend, she went to talk to him. And I'm like, I'm trying to figure. I'm like, is that O.J.? I'm like, if it is, I got to go and get her. So I go there and O.J. <laughs> just looks at me and he's like, hi, I'm O.J. Next thing you know, I'm sitting having drinks with, <laughs> get drunk with O.J. Simpson. And I probably did the worst thing anybody could do, Rob. You know how they say what, what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas? Well, somebody took a picture of me and OJ, and it's like the best picture of me of all time, except I'm beside OJ. And I posted it on social media in my drunken stupor. And then the next day, I'm like, oh, that was a crazy dream. And I'm like, oh, my God, that actually happened. And then I tried to delete it off the Internet. So I I learned my lesson uh, the last last time I was in Vegas. Andy, I'm supposed to spend the next 20 minutes with you talking about tech and DIY. Do you do your own whatever? I would much rather go down the rabbit hole of Vegas stories. Oh, there's there's so here's another one. Yeah, I'm ready for more. Hit me with this. Now, I already know why they call you Disco Andy now. So I'm on the show floor of, of Las Vegas. You and should like, see Ryan's face, by the way, just <laughs> FYI. <laughs> Where were we? As you were. 
so so I'm on the show floor and you know we're we're filming like all the newest tech and I have a cameraman and and some guy <laughs> comes up to me he goes if you wait five minutes Pharrell Williams will be here and I'm Ooh. like Pharrell like Neptune's Pharrell N E R D N E R D Pharrell he's like yeah. He's an investor of this company. So I'm like, we will wait. And so we're waiting for Pharrell. And it was a company. And what they were doing is they had this spray and they could spray it on any kind of tech. It could spray it on your clothing. And when it rained, the, the water wouldn't penetrate your clothing. It would just kind of bead right off. And so Pharrell had invested in this company because he wanted to put it on his clothing, Billionaire's Boys Club. So so Pharrell's like, you know, I'm interviewing Pharrell. It, this is somewhere on YouTube still. And, and I'm kind of a little bit starstruck. I was not expecting this. Heck yeah. And so he has this, like, he has a paper towel. He's like, watch this, man. I'm going to dip this into this. Or I'm going to spray it. And then I'm going to dip it in water and it's not going to get wet. And I'm like, okay, let's, let's see this Pharrell. So he sprays it. He dips it in water. And he goes, look. And I hate to tell Pharrell. I'm like, Pharrell, the paper towel is wet. <laughs> And so now he's like looking stupid. So he looks at the owner of the company like, why did, what are you doing? Like, why did you put me in this situation? We have an entire crowd watching for this like technology and it didn't work. Surprise, surprise. And uh, Pharrell just got really weird. You know, he was, he was nervous and he was like jittery and, and I was trying to calm him down. It was just the weirdest, most awkward thing I would never have imagined myself being in, you know, Pharrell Williams having a, a tech fail on camera with me. That is unbelievable. Like, talk about being in the right place at the right time twice. I'm still enamored by you seeing your friend, your female friend going over to OJ and feeling that you needed to go save her. And then OJ's kind of like, well, hey, how you doing? You know, OJ well, is like, kind of lofty and lofty. Yeah, no, and it was like, I didn't know what to talk to him. So I asked him a question. I was like, you know, I didn't know what to say to him, right? Obviously, everybody wants to know, like, did you do it? You know, but you can't say that to O.J. Simpson. Yeah, I guess so, you can't. That's probably not a good question to mix into the conversation. So I, I just asked him, I'm like, you know, um, Juice? I don't know why I called him Juice, too. You <laughs> did like, not call him I, Juice. I did. I did. I was like, Juice, I'm, Rob, I've had a couple Andy, IPAs by Andy, I, I don't know you from a hole in the ground. I see online you look handsome. There's no way you walked up to O.J. Simpson and called him Juice. While we were sitting there, I'm like, Juice, I got a question for you. This is exactly <laughs> verbatim. <laughs> like, we're friends. I just met this guy two minutes ago, oh, this right? is miraculous. I'm like, Juice. If you didn't play football, what do you think you'd be doing in like, you know, what would you have done? Ooh. And and he he actually thought of it for a second. He goes, you know, a lot of people don't know this, but I was on the track team at USC. And he's like, but I was like 45 pounds heavier than everyone else because I played football. Right. And I was like, wow. And, and apparently he got drafted in the major leagues. So like he was a multi-talented guy. But I'll tell you one thing about OJ Simpson. Yeah, I'd like to learn that more man, about OJ Simpson right now. Hit me with it, Handy Andy. <laughs> You asked, Rob. Here you go. I asked. I asked. I'm not going down with this ship. No, but I want to hear more. Go for it. Okay. That man has the biggest head. Oh, it's humongous. It's a nine. Like you would, he would have had a custom, like, like I, people always say I have a big head, but I was like, wow. And I almost said that to him, but I, I did that once. Here's (laughs) another funny story. I told Lou Ferrigno, I interviewed him once. The Incredible Hulk. The Incredible Hulk at the Canadian Video Game Awards. And my first impression when I saw Lou Ferrigno, and again, I had a couple of drinks because it was the Video Game Awards. And, I see a trend here, by the way. Well, okay, here's the thing. Video, they're all voice actors. So I didn't know anybody. And I was getting bored. I'm on this red carpet. I don't know any of these people. 
So I went and hanged out with the electronic arts guys and they were all having some beers. So then all of a sudden Lou Ferrigno comes. So I grabbed my cameraman. I'm like, we got to film this. <laughs> and this also was on YouTube. And I went to Lou. I didn't know what to say to him. And the first thing I was like, wow. I'm like, Lou, you got a big head. And you do not ask. You did not the, tell Lou the, Ferrigno, the Incredible Hulk, that he had a big head. That is like the stupidest thing you could ever say to the Incredible Hulk. And a friend of mine who's a motion graphics designer, he edited the video and he got him to turn into Hulk and he gets all like green. And I had him, I had him like, um, like flex his muscles. So it looks like he punched my head off. And it's, it's one of the funniest videos ever. But um, yeah, now that I think of it, this is why they call me Disco Andy. Yeah, I think so. You know what the funny part is? is I can see Ryan in one window and I can see Brendan in the other. And they've both been looking down at their phones for the last five minutes. I want a copy of that text before this show is done. Okay. That's I all I want. Find- I will find those clips and I'll send it to you. Those, I want that all was of them. years ago. I want I've, I've grown up. Think about what you just told me here. I've had the Incredible Hulk, the Juice, and Pharrell. And now i got to yeah. talk about how to stay cool without an air conditioner. How about this? Why? <laughs> so that I can punch the clock here and say that I did this. Handy Andy, how do you install a window air conditioner and how do you stay cool without actual air conditioning? Well, okay, so I'll try to make Great this Great segue, quick. by the way. Yeah, I know. Well, Ryan actually had this question. He actually asked this question to me last week, and I was like, you know what, Ryan? We should talk about this on the radio. There's really, you know, the thing about AC is nobody preemptively buys an air conditioner. It's nope. always when it's too late. And, and usually what happens is a haphazard installation. So if you are installing a window uh, unit, what you have to make first, first of all, you have to check that you're allowed to do it because if certain stratas, unfortunately, won't allow you to do it because of the aesthetic reasons. So you want to make sure that you are allowed before you go out and buy one. And if you do, you have to assess your window first because the it, they're made the ACs are made for double hung windows. So the ones that go up and down, not left to right. Right. If it's a left to right then you probably want to get a portable AC and then you have to vent out the hot air. And that's the one mistake that a lot of people make is they don't take that time to properly take out the the hot air out of the portable AC. So you can actually buy these little flanges for the windows that every window is different. But if you go on Amazon, that's where you can find these flanges or a nice handy Andy trick is you can go to Home Depot and buy the, the styrofoam panels that they have and you can custom cut one out for the portable AC unit that you have. So those are kind of things that you really want to do. And if you ever install a unit uh, in the window, make sure you have someone else there because these things are up to 50 to 100 pounds (laughs) and you don't want to drop that onto the ground. So um, Was that Happy Gilmore that that happened? I, I think so. Yeah. And it's it's one of my biggest fears. And you have to understand that you can buy additional support brackets, uh, third-party ones, that you can put outside your house. And those are important if you have a really heavy AC unit. But like, again, Rob, people buy them at the last minute. They're hot and they try to install it and they do it wrong. So just make – this is something you want to take your time on because you don't want that thing falling down floors or how many floors that you live. So that's really important. That's a good tip. If you've been listening for the last 10 to 15 minutes, we took you down to Las Vegas. We talked about O.J. Simpson. We talked about Pharrell Williams, member of NERD. And, uh, yeah, we just kept on going with Handy Andy, known as Disco Andy to some. But, Andy, I appreciate you sticking around with us. Legitimate question. Now we have to get serious. It's time for some real talk now. 
there are people in British Columbia that are expecting we might get temperatures in the high 30s. This one actually coming in from Winnipeg, but nonetheless. Here's a question from Nighthawk Steve. How do you stay cool if you got no AC? Is there a techie way to do something like that? Well, then we got to go the old-fashioned way, Rob. And uh, I actually don't have AC myself. I've I've thought about it, especially after last year's heat dome. But then I really want to become more heat adapted. So I thought, you know, I should probably try to tough it out and and learn to 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 work in the heat, which I'm horrible at. So I've I know all the ways to natural ways to keep cool. This one, I think most people know. You want to keep your blinds and curtains closed during the daytime. That's kind of a no-brainer. However, as soon as the sun goes down, you want to open up all your windows and allow for a lot of air circulation inside your house, especially at nighttime before you go to bed. Um, Then you could probably close it uh, if you don't have screens because you don't want mosquitoes and and other critters to come inside and and bite you. Uh, Another thing that you can do if you don't have an AC, and this depends on the area that you live in Canada, is to consider a dehumidifier. And that's really important when, because the last thing, heat is bad. But when you have heat and moisture, that's double whammy. So if you can get rid of the moisture, at least that's going to help you uh, sleep, especially at nighttime. Uh, Another thing that people should do is keep your, all your doors closed for unused rooms. Um, So if you do have like a fan inside your room, try to keep, make it or get a multiple fans to get some circulation going so that you have some air going out. Sometimes what I'll do is I'll face the fan towards the window so that it pushes the hot air out. That's another good trick that you can do. And I'm not much for Rob for beauty, beauty hacks, but, uh, Keep your moisturizer in your fridge so that when you go to sleep and you put some uh, body moisturizer on, Ah. it's nice and cool. Uh, That's a good way to help you fall asleep at night. But essentially, you want to keep your palms and your feet really cold. That's where all the heat gets dissipated in our bodies. So uh, make sure that you keep those cold and your, your entire core temperature should also cool down. Andy, let's switch gears. Let's talk a little tech because just before we went to the commercial break, I said the Amazon Echo Show 15 smart display, which looks really nifty, and uh, we'll post it up on our Facebook page. I know it's up on yours already. There's um, there's mixed reviews on it, but I'd love to get your thoughts on at least the initial concept and, and the usability. Yeah, essentially the, the Amazon Echo Show 15, it's like a giant tablet that you would mount right into your house, right on the wall. It's essentially like a, a little hub for your wall. So a lot of families will have a calendar. What's cool about this is that you could use Alexa to add things onto your calendar. So someone's birthday's coming up and you're like, oh, I can't forget this. You can use that to add it onto the calendar. You could also use it to, to add notes. So if you're leaving and you have to remind somebody for about something for the kids, take the trash out, you can leave notes on the display and you do it by voice, which is the amazing thing. I have just installed this uh, at my place, Rob, and I'm just amazed at how powerful this thing is. Another feature, and parents are going to like this, if you have an Alexa in, in different rooms, you could use it as an intercom where you can like tell your kids like dinner's ready if they're like gaming in their in their bedroom. So there's, it's a lot of flexibility uh, for these kind of devices. And of course, it controls all your smart home devices. So in this video, which you can watch on my website, handyandymedia.com, I have all of these LGB, RGB uh, strip lights all across this room, and they're all changing colors at the same time through this smart display. So it's uh, it's super popular and something that a lot of people should consider, especially if you have a smart home. Andy, if I gave you just one minute, could you let me know if my smartphone is truly ruining my memory? 
Well, that's the big thing, Rob, is we're so reliant on our phones that uh, essentially it's taking a toll on our memory. In fact, think about GPS. A lot of us can't even imagine going anywhere now with GPS. And the problem with GPS is that it just tells you, like, turn here, turn here. So a lot of that spatial memory that we had gathered for thousands of years to navigate our surroundings, we don't have to use that anymore. And so a lot of neuroscientists, and I've been reading a lot of articles about this, is that like we're not getting any smarter and we're actually forgetting a lot of things because of notifications on our phones. They're essentially distractions. Every time you get a notification, that's a distraction because whatever you are focusing on, you suddenly stop and that's impeding our ability to retain memories. And this is gonna be a problem moving forward because we, the cat's out of the bag, Rob. We're not going back. Smartphones are a part of our lives. It's true. You're absolutely right. But I want you, before everything's said and done, to use your smartphone to send me the picture of you and Juice. Andy, thank you for doing this. I'm so glad we crossed paths tonight. Thank you for your time. Uh, My pleasure, Rob. It's been fun. Thanks for listening to The Shift Podcast. Make sure you subscribe, rate, and review the show and share with anyone you like. Get it on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and CuriousCast.ca. 